Welcome back to Plant Power, the power of plants in a changing climate. I'm your host, Emma Wilson, the Fred and Virginia Howe Sustainability Intern at the North Carolina Botanical Garden. I'm here to guide you on a six-episode journey through native plant topics and their connection with our changing climate through interviews with some of North Carolina's finest naturalists. Extreme temperatures, droughts, floods, these are some of the changes we are seeing across the world due to the effects of climate change. Scientists predict that up to half of our plant and animal species face extinction by the end of this century because of these conditions. Drastic weather events that come along with climate change alter the soil and stunt plant growth, while also diminishing the productivity of plants. That's where seed banks come in. Seed banks are places that store seeds to protect and preserve plant genetic diversity. Seed banks ensure biodiversity for our future and also conserve rare and threatened plant species. Talking with us today about seed collection are two garden employees, Emma York Marzoff and Mike Coombs. Emma York Marzoff is the conservation grower at the garden where she propagates North Carolina native plants for conservation and restoration projects. Mike Coons is the conservation ecologist at the North Carolina Botanical Garden. Since joining the garden in 2005, he has worked to protect and research natural areas and has curated a seed bank for rare plants. Currently, Mike is pursuing a PhD in ecology from the University of North Carolina. Welcome Emma and Mike. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Good to be here. Awesome. So let's start with the basics. Mike, why are seed banks so critical in our changing climate? Well, seed banks are important to help protect the loss of biological diversity. And this is something that's happening at an alarming rate uh, more and more and has been in the news a lot lately. Uh, the losses not only affect our native plants and the natural world, but they also affect our crops and our wild crop relatives, so they're very important to food security. The losses come from direct causes, uh, things like habitat loss, um, conversion to agriculture, urbanization, uh, but they also can happen because of uh, changing climate. And this is where seed banks come in. Uh, they're really a cost-effective and space-effective way to protect biodiversity by storing seeds in very specific conditions. Uh, the seeds usually last a really long time in the seed bank, so it's also an added benefit for that. And we continue to understand more and more about how seed banks work. Over the last 30 or 40 years, the science has really progressed to make it possible to store even more seeds and for longer periods of time and making a really conser valuable conservation tool. Cool. So Mike, we've talked about um, seed banking in regards to rare and native and common species, but can you elaborate a little bit more about how critical seed banking is when we're talking about agriculture? Yes, so the, the importance of seed banks in agriculture is really about food security. Uh, a lot of our crop species tend to have really low genetic diversity, so it makes them really susceptible to diseases. And if we lose a particular crop to a disease, it could be really detrimental to food security and health of people around the world. And so having backups of those crops in the seed bank is really important. And also having backups of the closest native plants to those foods 
in a seed bank is really important because we can always use those native plants to, to try to redevelop new crops to help make sure people don't go hungry. And what is the garden's role in baking seeds? So in working with rare plants, the garden has been baking seeds since the mid-1980s. It started about the same time that we became members of the Center for Plant Conservation, which is a consortium of botanical gardens across the United States that's dedicated to conserving rare plants. And the network has really become a leader in understanding and taking action on seed banking for rare species. Since the 80s, we've built partnerships and collected seeds from all over the U.S. And currently, we store about 500 collections of about 85 of the most imperiled species in the southeastern United States. Wow. Um, some of the collections are, are pretty uh, special. They're, they're all important, but some of them are, are even more unique. Uh, some of the collections we have are from species that only occur in one place on the entire Earth. And if something were to ever happen to those populations, there's nowhere else they, they live. So having them backed up in a seed bank is really important to protect them from extinction. So Mike, you just were talking about how the garden has 500 total distinct collections. Can you elaborate on um, what that kind of means and what kind of collections that you're talking about? Sure. So these are collections of rare plants and each collection represents a different point in time or a different population of a rare plant. So we have about 85 rare plant species represented in our seed bank, and some of those have multiple populations collected to get to that 500. If you look more broadly beyond the rare plants, we have probably about 1,500 collections of native plant seeds that are available for restoration as well. That's a big number. <laughs> That's awesome. So we talked about rare seeds, but what about the common species in seed banking? Right, so we also seed bank common species as well as rare species. Um, these species we've been collecting for years for the purpose of public distribu distribution, horticultural display plantings, our daily plant sale, as well as ecological restoration, which is what my job focuses on. Um, anytime a group sets out to restore land, whether that is us at the garden, the Nature Conservancy, a state agency, or federal agency, they need plant materials to do that work. And the easiest way to do that is to work with seed. In North Carolina, we need native seed, but it isn't readily available, and especially not in the quantities needed for restoration. There are some growers and seed distributors in North Carolina and the Southeast that have native seed, but they typically only have a few species to offer out of the hundreds of species native to North Carolina. Obviously, native seed producers can't grow every single species and neither can the North Carolina Botanical Garden, but we can start diver diversifying what is available. So here at the garden, we are expanding our work to begin developing more plant and seed material. This past summer and fall, we began identifying species that are not widely available from seed producers. Once we decided what species we wanted to start growing, we went out to multiple areas within the Piedmont region, um, such as Orange County, Durham County, Chatham County, and collected seed from wild populations. That wild collected seed is then stored in our seed bank, and a portion of it is being used in propagation by me.
We have already started creating single species seed increase beds, sometimes known as seed production beds. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's kind of like having a large bed of corn so you can have the same species and be able to collect that. So we're recreating that, um, these single species beds, and then we can harvest large quantities of seed for restoration from those beds. Um, we can then use that seed on our nature preserves that the garden um, manages and also be a resource for our conservation partners. As a part of what Mike and I do, our next focus is to start expanding our collection to other regions of the state to capture more genetic diversity and to be able to collect from more populations than just here in the Triangle area. Wow, that's awesome. It sounds like we've got a lot of good stuff going on here. Um, could y'all tell us um, a little bit about what's going on outside of North Carolina in seed banking and the role that global seed banks play? Sure. So there's increasingly more and more seed banks that are coming into existence all over the world. Some recent research estimated that about one out of every 10 botanical gardens is currently doing seed banking work. Mm -hmm. And this is a, about twice as many as there were in the previous decades before that. So it's really becoming uh, more commonplace to have more and more institutions that are doing seed banking work. In the U.S., a lot of the, the botanical gardens that are doing seed banking work are members of the Center for Plant Conservation. And this is a good thing. There are a lot of species in the U.S. that are threatened with extinction and a lot of common species that are also in need of help as well. And so we've got a lot of people on the ground working on these problems. Uh, in a global sense, there's a couple of really famous global seed vaults. One of them is the Svalbard Global Seed Vault, uh, which is at 78 degrees north latitude, which is above the Arctic Circle. So it's really far north where it's very cold. Mm -hmm. And they use those cold conditions to help maintain their seeds in the right conditions. Uh, they focus primarily on helping other seed banks in other parts of the world that may not have infrastructure to support really good seed conservation. And so Svalbard is a backup to crops from around the world. Another famous seed bank is Q's Millennium Seed Bank. And this is the largest seed bank in the world that focuses solely on native species. And they've had ambitious goals to preserve 10% of the world's flora by 2010, and 20% of the world's flora by 2020. So we're coming up on another one of these uh, deadlines, uh, these milestones that they are trying to reach to protect native plants throughout the world. The North Carolina Botanical Garden has made contributions to the Millennium Seed Bank through our partnerships with Seeds of Success and some of the other work that we've done to try to seed bank and protect common native plants. And one thing people don't realize is that the United States has its own global seed vault as well. It doesn't have the PR that Q and Svalbard have, but it's just as important. It's called the National Laboratory for Genetic Resource Preservation. It's a mouthful. And it's in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's part of the United States Department of Agriculture. They hold predominantly seed crops as well and wild crop relatives and have been doing this for about 60 or 70 years probably. And it has some of the most significant crop collections in the world. 
and really good scientists that we partner with. They also hold some backup collections of some of our rare plant seeds. So do these seeds that we're collecting have a shelf life? Like how long can they survive in our seed banks? The how long a seed can last in a seed bank varies a lot depending on the species. Some species of seeds can live in a seed bank and these are under very ideal conditions, very cold, very dry. They can last for thousands of years or hundreds of years. Some of our other species only last a couple of decades and that's one of the areas where a lot of research in seed banking really benefits us and really helps us understand what we're doing because it lets us know how frequently we need to recollect from these populations to make sure that they're still safeguarded. Cool. Mike, just out of curiosity, and maybe this would be something our listeners would be interested in, um, can you throw out a few names of some of the common species that are being targeted to, for us to seed bank because they may be shifting to a threatened species? Sure. Some of the, the common species that we focus on are species that are often considered workhorse in the communities. Mm-hmm. So for folks that go to the beach, you often drive across the salt marsh, and a lot of those salt marshes are really important for protecting against things like floods, sea level rise, storm surge from hurricane, but a lot of the salt marsh habitats disappearing. So by collecting seeds from those types of coastal habitats, we can use them in restoration to make more resilient communities along the coasts. We also do a lot of work with collecting plants that are important for pollinators. So wildflowers that bloom all throughout the season from all the regions of North Carolina to make sure those pollinators have resources, food, and sometimes even habitat for them. So we've talked about what the garden's role in seed collection is, but where can listeners find seeds for purchase? Sure. So the garden shop has a selection of wildflower seed packets for sale. Um, And then also one of the benefits of a garden membership is receiving seed packets for free. And then if you're a conservation or restoration group in need of seed, you can always contact Mike or myself and we can talk about specific needs. Awesome. Uh, What about for listeners outside of North Carolina? Where can they find seeds for purchase? Outside of North Carolina, it'd be best if folks contacted their local botanical gardens or their native plant societies. The biggest point of emphasis I would like to make is when you contact anybody for seed to make sure that the seed is locally collected and ethically collected. We don't want to do extra damage to any of these natural areas or plants that we're trying to save. Mm -hmm. How would that damage occur? If there are over collections, if there's a lot of people collecting from the same populations of plants, they could um, really push that plant toward extinction or harm those populations. If they're collecting seeds or using seeds from outside of the regions where they live, you could be introducing invasive species, which is a whole other problem. Mm -hmm. And we've touched on that a little bit in our last episode, so if our listeners haven't listened to the second episode, tune in. (laughs) Um, Awesome. So, If our listeners wanted to get involved with seed banking, how could they go about doing that? For rare species, collecting seed takes a lot of coordination and permitting to make sure that the collections are done in the right way. So it's hard for a general person to go out and and collect seeds from rare species. 
the best way to probably get involved is to donate to the North Carolina Botanical Garden. And if you're interested, you could also come and try to volunteer with Emma and working with our native seed program and native plant materials development. Awesome. So if I had my own garden at home and wanted to collect my own seeds to replant next season, how would I go about doing that? Right. So you, um, any home gardener can definitely do that. Just collect the seeds um, from the plant that you want to continue growing. You can either right away just um, sow it into the ground and it'll usually overwinter, come up next year. Or if you want to store those seeds because you have a specific place you want to put them, um, you can collect them, put them in a cloth or a paper bag. Um, the main thing is to keep them cool and dry. So before putting them into storage, you want to remove all of material that is not the seed. So any extra leaf matter or um, anything like that. And then you just put them in a cool, dry place and they're ready to go next year. Awesome. Well, Mike and Emma, thank you so much for your time and the great information. And I hope you have a good day. Thank you. Thanks. It was great to be here. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Plant Power. Emma York Marzal and Mike Koontz provided us with some really interesting tips on seed collection and seed banks. If you are interested in learning more, continue listening with us over the next few weeks and check out our website for more resources at ncbg.unc.edu slash plantpower. Next time, we will explore the topic of land conservation with our conservation expert, Johnny Randall. And honestly, protecting our land is perhaps the most impactful thing we can do during this time of climate change. Tune in next time to hear more on that topic. With us today, we have Emma York Morzoff, conservation grower, and Mike Coons, conservation ecologist from the North Carolina Botanical Garden. This podcast is made possible by the North Carolina Botanical Garden. This episode was produced by Jana Starr with music brought to you by Terry Bockland. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast and share it with a friend. I'm Emma Wilson, and this is Plant Power.